So let's take our focus today, uh, two words, if you will, rediscovering joy. Rediscovering joy. I don't know about you, this uh, pandemic season, there have been some difficult days. There have been some moments where I've struggled, maybe you have struggled as well. But maybe if we realize we're in this together and we know that God's got us, uh, it's going to help us to rediscover our joy. Especially during a time of giving, uh, during a time of receiving, uh, and that we will be found faithful to be cheerful givers whenever and however we can. I'm never more joyful than when I'm serving or giving to someone else. I often tell folks that are battling darkness and, and, and even depression, hey, go and do something for someone else. It'll make you feel better. And 10 out of 10 of those individuals will always come back and say, Pastor, you were right. Well, see, the question is not about if I'm right or not. The question is whether or not we're serving others. Because when you serve others, you get to rediscover the joy that Jesus has. Listen. I believe Advent is not just something for high liturgical churches. I believe Advent is something that all of us can experience and can enjoy. The word Advent comes from a Latin word which means coming. Coming. The light of God coming into the world through the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm about to share some things with you that for some, maybe listening to the very first time to the gospel, uh, maybe someone in your family or uh, maybe someone you work with loved you enough and says, hey, listen, you need to check out this crazy guy from Athens, Alabama in, in, in a message, in a series of messages he's going to be preaching on Sunday mornings in the month of December. So we welcome you. We, we, we want to reach out to you and let you know the truth that can set you free. So if you have your Bibles, your smartphone, your iPad, right there where you are in your home today, I want you to look at with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 25. The Bible simply says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. All right, pastor, I, I've read that verse before. What exactly is it talking about? Well, I think it covers a lot of different areas. But for our sake today in rediscovering joy, the idea of God as a baby is very, very foolish. There's a lot of ideas out there today. There's a lot of philosophies. There's a lot of theologies out there today. But yet for us who are orthodox in our belief of God's Word, everything that I say today, everything that we will preach over the next few weeks is based on God's Word. But there are also some ideas out there that are in opposition to God's Word. Right now, 20 years into a new century, it's filled with dialogues and diatribes of demagogues as it relates to who God is. Maybe you are familiar with some of these, like atheism, God is an illusion. Uh, deism, God is an idea. Pantheism, God is an object. Mysticism, God is an experience. Now before we get to what truly God is, 
I understand that in the world and culture and society in which we live, some of you watching today may believe in some of those that I've just mentioned. But would you give me about 20 minutes or so to help you to understand about Christianity? Because in Christianity, God is a person. God is a person. So who is this person? Well, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15 gives us a little glimpse, if you will. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So today, even in our worship of the firstborn of all creation, we have focused on joy. My welcome a few minutes ago, we talked about joy uh, from Psalm 95. I'm asking you a question, and it's the same question that I'm trying to ask myself when I look in the mirror in the mornings. Hey, Joel, do you have joy? Again, joy is deep down. Joy is God-centered. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about uh, pie in the sky and a sweet by and by. I'm talking about joy that really matters no matter what's going on in our lives. Someone very wise defined joy as the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something that's especially good or satisfying. I want to redefine what joy means by saying it's Jesus, others than you. So I want to take the remaining time that we have together today, and I want to give you some thoughts to think about especially here in the first few days of December, to help lay a foundation in this Advent season moving forward that we may remain focused on what joy is all about. Notice our first point. First of all, God-given joy is not based on my circumstances. I've told people this in counseling I've shared it with them over and over and over again that if you allow circumstances to run your life, you are in for a bumpy ride. A few years ago, I went to Six Flags over Georgia with uh, some of my brothers-in-law and sister-in-law. All of them love roller coasters. I don't. So I would make sure that I would strategically place myself and I'd say, I'll hold all of your things while you go. And man, they had a ball. Now, every once in a while, they would get off that roller coaster and they would have turned green. Maybe they'd eaten too much before they got on that roller coaster. You know, sometimes life is a roller coaster. Uh, one moment, uh, you're on the peak and you're up at the top. And then the very next moment, you're at the bottom and you're trying to hang on for dear life. If you're basing how you feel on your circumstances, then your life is nothing but a roller coaster. Sometimes it is worse than a roller coaster. Let me tell you, friend, that's not the way to live your life. Well, Pastor Joel, how should I live my life? Hey, that's a great question. Psalm 4, verses 7 and 8, gives us an indication of what happens when our joy is in Christ. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. And I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. Today, friend, would you like to dwell in safety? I know that 
there's a lot of publications. Uh, there's a lot of things being said on the news and, and uh, uh, things we read online on the internet. And, and, and if you put all your faith and trust in all those variables, all those different things, my friend, you're going to be worried all the time. But what if we took a step back from all that stuff and put our faith and trust in the joy of the Lord? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Some of us today need strength. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to learn how to dwell in safety. Notice this second axiom today that can help us. God's presence in my life produces joy. I think we all crave consistency. We crave stability. We also crave his presence. I think one of the things I miss the most about gathering together like we used to gather together prior to March 15th is that we got to hug on each other and encourage one another and, and, and shake each other's hands and, and really express those emotions with our bodies. We have been forced the last nine months or so to really redefine how we even greet one another. But through it all, even though we may not have each other's presence, we have God's presence. And God's presence in my life and God's presence in your life produces joy. The psalmist once again speaks to this in Psalm 16 and verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want us to think about that verse for just a moment. Because when it says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. So in order for me to have joy in my life, I, I may have to get out of the presence of others that are tearing me down, and I get into the presence of the one who's going to build me up. And maybe that's what you've been lacking in your life. Maybe you've been struggling because you're hanging around the wrong people. The people that are always negative, the, the people that are always tearing people down and tearing you down. I, I think we are known by the company we keep. We often tell Zeke, and one day we will tell Danny as well, show me who your friends are, and I can tell you whether or not you're going to be successful in life. It really does matter. So not only... Humanity who is around us helps us to achieve our goals and our dreams. But even more than them, we need to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ who will grant us that fullness of joy. Go over from Psalm 16 to Psalm 21. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. You ever been around someone that just being close to them for a few minutes makes you feel better? Uh, you could be struggling, having the most difficult of days, but he or she walks into the room and they come over and give you a high five or they give you a knuckle punch or even in the midst of a pandemic with their mask on, they give you an elbow and you know that because you're in their presence, it's going to be a better day. Even if that day didn't start off too well, 
Now it's going to be better because you've been in the presence of someone who just has that anointing, that gifting to make you feel better about yourself and everything's going to be all right. That's how I feel about Jesus. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. Today, friend, right there at home where you are, I would encourage you that after this sermon is concluded, you find you a quiet place. Don't even turn on any music, no praise music, anything. And you just get alone in the presence of the king, and you'll be made glad. No matter what's going on in your life physically, no matter what's going on in your life emotionally, for just a few moments you can escape because you'll have the joy of his presence. Which leads us to our third point. Life produces ups and downs, but joy will come. People ask me because I normally have a smile on my face. Joel, are you always that way? And I am quick to say absolutely not. I have tough days just like everybody else does. I try not to hang those tough days on my sleeve, though, to let everybody see them. I think sometimes we as leaders, though, are not truthful and not honest, and, and we almost present a picture to others that's unrealistic. Uh, we, we almost pretend that our life is like what we post on Facebook when it's really not. But see, life produces ups and downs, but if you and I will hang in there long enough, praise God, joy will come. Because there have been difficult days for my sister Kim and I, for Uncle Martin, for my wife Joe, because of things going on in our family due to COVID-19. So there were ups and downs, but I knew that if I, I, I stayed the course and I, and I stayed in prayer and I stayed on my face, that joy would come. And friend, it can happen for you as well. Please don't misunderstand. I, I'm not saying that just because you believe it, you can't achieve it. This is not name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. This is understanding what God's Word teaches, that if you'll be consistent and you'll stay the course, the eventuality and the outcome will be that joy will come. Notice with me in Psalm 51 and verse 8. Let me hear joy and gladness and let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Now again, the psalmist is referring to the creator that he's the one that broke the bones. Well, see, that's a person that believes in the sovereignty of God. That nothing happens to me, nor anything that happens to you can escape the eyes of the one who goes to and fro across the earth and he sees everything. And sometimes we have to be broken to understand what rejoicing is all about. To be able to have deep and abiding joy and gladness, sometimes we have to be broken and spilled out. Psalm 30 and 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment. Aren't we glad of that? There are times when I sin, and sometimes it's intentionally, other times it's unintentionally, but there are moments when I stumble and when I fall and his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. And there have been moments in my life as well as I'm sure yours as well that weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And there are some of you right now 
and you're watching this morning and you're looking for the joy. And maybe it's been a while. Maybe I'm not talking just about days or weeks or months. Maybe for some of you it's been years. I don't know why Christ tarries. I don't understand why we don't get our answer immediately and when we want it. Maybe we hadn't learned the lesson yet. But yes, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy will come with the morning. So we need to learn how to be patient. We need to learn how to wait upon the Lord because he and his ways are always truth and righteousness for us. We go from Psalm 30 to Psalm 126, and this is a beautiful passage of Scripture. Just this past week, I saw Brother Terry McCormick weeping over his wife of almost 70 years. And Brother Joe Teal did such a wonderful job at, at Miss Peggy's memorial service. But the Bible says that those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. I'm learning the older I get, the, how much easier it is for me to weep. I think like most men, when you're young and you want to appear to be strong and uh, you're a man's man, and so you never let your emotions rise to the surface. But the older that I've gotten, and I think my love for my wife, my love for my kids, my love for people in general, that when they weep, I've learned how to weep as well. Hey, when they rejoice, I try to celebrate with them. And I think sometimes it takes a little while to mature in our sanctification to really understand the ramifications of doing that as a fellow human being doing life together with other human beings. Yes, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. And then he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Is that you today? Knowing that you've borne the seed for sowing, and praise God, there's going to be a moment where we shout for joy. Now, I must give a disclaimer here. We are not guaranteed this side of heaven that will happen here. It may be after we pass from this walk of life and go from death to life before those shouts of joy will come. Like you, I've prayed for people who are sick to be healed. And God chose in his divine economy and providence not to heal them the way that I wanted them to be healed on this side of glory. So God gave them the ultimate healing. Are you willing to trust God that way? Listen, I know Advent season is about the coming. I, I, I get all that. But please understand that today we want to rediscover the joy that some of us have lost. A pandemic will do that to you. Life will sometimes grind you down. But today, friend, it's time to once again rediscover the joy that Jesus Christ can give. Which leads us to our fourth point this morning. It pleases the Lord to express joy with emotion. All of us have been around those individuals that never seem to show any emotion whatsoever. We've seen them in the movies from Hollywood, and they're the strong, silent type. And they never show happiness. They never show sadness. They're somewhat stoic in all of their emotions. But you know, it pleases the Lord 
to express joy with emotion. Notice four verses with me in Psalm 33. The Bible says, Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Now what does that mean? It means that when you and I are able to come back together at some point in time in the future, prayer, we are praying that it's going to be uh, January the 10th. But if it is or if it isn't, when that time comes, it is my prayer that we will shout for joy in the Lord. Because God's people have once again been able to come back together. How do we give uh, shouts of joy to the Lord? Well, we give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. We make melody to him with a harp of ten strings. We sing to him a new song. We play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all of his work is done in faithfulness. So what I've basically done in these four verses is turn Wason loose. I've turned Mike Cole loose. I've turned Charles Garrett loose. I've turned Greg uh, Glaze loose. I've turned them loose. Because the Word of God says that we can. And we will sing unto the Lord a new song. And we will play skillfully on those strings. So for those of us that maybe can't play a musical instrument, I've always wanted to. But for those of us who cannot, we can abide in Psalm 47.1. Which simply says, clap your hands, all peoples, and shout to God with loud songs of joy. I know that my particular personality and temperament has no problem with shouting, whether I'm watching my son play ball or I'm in a worship service and I'm talking to Jesus and I'm singing songs of praise to him with hands lifted and shouts of glory. But I know that some of you have a tendency to be a little bit more reserved in your attitude of worship. I want you to know that for many, maybe even for you, this season of pandemic that has held you back for months and months and months, and then when you finally get an opportunity to let her go, I pray that you'll let her fly. I, I pray that this particular sanctuary, when it's filled to the gills with people once again, and the choir is full, and, and, and the band is full, and we are all full of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we will not hold anything back in our worship of the King. Because we, even those of us who cannot play a musical instrument, we can clap our hands and we can shout to God. Ooh, that'll preach. Look at Psalm 71, 23 with me. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also, which you have redeemed. So not only does my mouth shout praises to him, my heart's doing it. My heart's doing it right now. And right there in your home, go ahead and join. Listen, you may wake the kids up. You may scare an in-law. But go ahead and just turn her loose and, and, and just shout for joy. And then let your heart catch up. Let your soul that has been redeemed. May the, may the Lord receive all of this with adoration and praise that goes only to him. Psalm 98 and 6 teaches us with trumpets and the sound of the horn make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. 
So again, we've seen a variety of ways that we can make noise before the king. Trumpets and stringed instruments and clapping our hands and shouting with joy. I pray that we'll always take full advantage of those moments. Look at point number five quickly. Before, during, and after, I will sing for joy. And, and, and sometimes you've got to fight for joy. I read a little booklet recently, how to fight for your joy. Everybody around you is trying to destroy your joy. They're trying to take away your joy. You and I need to learn how to fight for joy. I'd fight for Joe. I'd fight for my son. I'd fight for my daughter. I'd fight for my family. I'd fight for my church family. How much more should I not fight for my joy? The joy of the Lord that comes from within, not based on external circumstances, but who I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at three verses with me in Psalm 63, where the Bible says, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. My soul clings to you. I, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but maybe lately you felt like giving up. I'm done. I quit. You know what? It's never going to be the same. It's never going to be like it was. And listen, that can be a good thing, though. Maybe in the past you were just attached to some dead religion. And, and now, though, uh, through the pandemic, you, you've learned how to praise. You've learned how to shout. You've learned how to clap your hands in the Lord's sanctuary. Now let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you and learn how to cling to the joy that upholds us. It's tough to do sometimes. Especially when everyone around you is having a poor, pitiful me party. But somebody's got to rise up and be the leader and say, no, friend, we have too much to be thankful for. Which leads us to point number six. Salvific joy comes by repentance. I, I think I would be so remiss to teach an entire sermon on joy and not talk about repentance. I see a lot of people that need to rededicate their lives to Jesus. It's not that they've lost their salvation. They've just lost the joy of their salvation. Hey, you remember David? His beautiful penitential psalm in Psalm 51. Let me pull one verse out for you. Verse 12. David cried out, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. For whatever reason, for some of us, we're saved, but we have no joy. Something is wrong with that picture. More than likely, there's sin in the camp. More than likely, there's something that's been said or something that's been done or a behavior that's not been overcome that's now overwhelming you because of the isolation that we felt the last nine and a half months. Let me encourage you today. Cry out to God and say, Lord Jesus, restore to me the joy of your salvation because salvific joy comes through repentance. Lastly, this morning... I pray these have ministered to you. I know they've ministered to me. Joy is God's plan for all nations. It's not just for white folks or black folks or brown folks. 
It's not just for those in this hemisphere or in another hemisphere or on our continent or just another continent. It's for all people. All the people. When is the last time you hit the Selah? That intentional pause when everything around you is going crazy and you need to hit the pause button for just a moment. Let me, let me give you a little glimpse. Look at Psalm 67 beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, Selah. It means, do you understand what you've just said? And would you allow the Holy Spirit in this intentional pause to teach you to know that God is gracious to us? He blesses us, and he makes his face to shine upon us. Look at verse 2. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity, and you guide the nations upon earth. Listen, that's a mouthful, so he goes, Selah, intentional pause. Let the peoples praise you in verse 5. Oh God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all of the ends of the earth fear him. Woo! Let all of us fear him. There's going to be a time that every believer who has been under oppression and martyred in North Korea They're going to stand up and they're going to shout because they're going to be in that myriad of individuals from every tribe and every tongue and every language and every nation one day. Listen, those of us here in the United States, we have the freedom right now to praise him and to to lift up his name in song, to, to, to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel, to do the things that we are doing. But there are places around the world where it's against the law and they do it anyway. So what does that mean for us? It means that every number has a name. When we talk about statistics and we say that Five out of ten people, and then we fill in the blank, those five people have a name. And listen, every name has a story. Everywhere they've walked, everything they've done, everything they've said, yes, their name has a story. I don't want you to miss this. Every story matters to God. Your story matters to God. It's not just about the pastor. And sometimes we put way too much emphasis on pulpit. Listen, I'm just a fellow believer with you. My my calling may be different than yours, but I want you to know that, yes, my story matters to God, but so does yours. You matter. So if I matter, then why doesn't God make me happy? Listen, friend, I've learned this a long time ago. Being happy is on you. God did not send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to make you happy. God brings joy. Happiness is shallow. It's on the surface. Joy is deep. Happiness can be shaken, but our joy in Christ should be unshakable. 
Now, I'm not saying you got to walk around with a smile on your face all the time. And anytime somebody asks you, are you doing okay, you lie to them and say, I'm doing just fine. No, there's the reality of who we are. But joy should be unshakable. All right, pastor. If that's really the truth, as a follower of Jesus, my joy is based on faith rather than by sight. Because I decided a long time ago that I was not going to be an emotional roller coaster. I, along with my family, make necessary changes to get off that emotional roller coaster. And I maintain those changes through prayer, through Bible study, through worship and fasting. Listen, if you exercise spiritual discipline in your life, it will derail your roller coaster ride. And I know that some of you are ready to get off that roller coaster. You're tired of being up one day and down the next. You would love some stability and consistency in your walk with Jesus Christ. Well, how do we do that, Pastor? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. <laughs> For we walk by faith and not by sight. Whoo! Are you ready to do that today? Have you come to that moment in your journey that I'm tired of living by sight? Sight messes with my mind. Sight causes me to be happy one moment and sad the next. I'm willing and ready to walk by faith. So how does walking by faith help me today on this first Sunday of Advent? Notice this next slide. I wasn't there, but I believe. Think back historically. I wasn't there at the birth of Jesus, but I believe. I wasn't there when Jesus performed the miracles made blind eyes see and deaf ears hear and lame legs walk, but, but I believe. I, I wasn't there when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for us, but I believe. What I believe, well, I agree with Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Even with all of our imagination, with the great minds who bring things and put them on screens in front of us, and we are awed by what we see and what we hear. We have not yet had revealed to us the things that God has for us. My human eye hadn't seen it. My human ear has not heard it, nor even my heart imagined it. Hey, not only do I agree with Paul, I agree with the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 1. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Whew. Filled with glory. Hey, I've never seen Jesus, but I believe in him. I, I've, I've, I've never seen Jesus, but I love him. And we believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Why? Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So as I close, there's going to be a moment somewhere out there in the future that's the consummation of history. And at that moment, at that time, we're going to remember these words. And I alluded to it just a few moments ago. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And they sang a new song. 
saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So why should I have joy? Why should I rediscover my joy? There is joy in knowing a ransomed people for God that comes not only from Athens, Alabama, but from every tribe and language and people and nation.